0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad.
1: Well, we started the night talking about the Oilers needing to improve defensively. It turns out you can add offense to the list of problems as well. The Montreal Canadiens win tonight 3-1 over the Edmonton Oilers who sink to 1-3 on the young season. The Oilers power play 0-7 tonight. 0 for 10 in the two games against the Habs. In fact, the Canadians' shorthanded unit outscored the Oilers' power play unit 2 0 in these two games. The Oilers scored only two goals total in the two-game series, and neither one of them really of consequence to the final outcome. Slater Cuckoo scored in the third period a couple of days ago when the Oilers were already down 5 nothing. Today, Devon Shore a late shorthanded goal when it was pretty much already decided with Montreal up 3-zip. So that's where we stand. Not much going right for Edmonton here early in the year as we bring in Rob Brown, our Inside the Game analyst. And perhaps the most shocking of all the stumbles the Oilers are experiencing is that power play I mentioned? 0 for seven tonight, two for 18 on the season. Both of the goals in the win over Vancouver.
2: Yeah, that's not. I, at the beginning of the year, I said, you know, at the specialty teams, I could see the power play still being as strong. I, I, it was the penalty killing. That I thought there might be a drop off with the loss of Riley Shane, and you know, just they they got a lot of good breaks last year penalty killing. But so far this year, and I know that they added. Uh, one new player to their, their power play mix in, in Barry. But to me, that's hasn't really been the downfall of their power play. They, it's the guys in the front that aren't making the plays and, and they're just, they're not scaring the other opposition. They're not creating chances and it's killing them right now through four games. All
3: right, live, here's where head coach, Dave Tippett. Brian Rashog, TSN. Dave, what did you see from your
4: uh, your power play tonight? Why do you think they were struggling so much?
0: I think we got to shoot the puck more. We uh, had some chances, but uh, you got to bury some of those chances. But uh, Montreal's doing a good job around the front of their net, and you got to pay the price to score. And we didn't bury the chances and uh, didn't shoot the puck enough.
4: Follow-up.
3: Next question, Jason Greger, TSN 1260.
4: Start the third period, and, and you switched your lines up again. Uh, have you thought at all about the Nugent-Hopkins Drysdale Yamamoto trio again? Because obviously that, they were pretty hot for two months.
0: Yeah, we. Tra- you're just trying to get a spark there somewhere, trying to find something, you know. So we'll see how it goes.
4: What did you make of your overall defensively? You only allowed one goal, five-on-five, on five, and it's one that your goalie probably should have happened.
0: Yeah, we were more, we were more competitive. But, uh, you know, I'd still like to see our puck game improve. But the competitive is what we're looking for. To to defend better, you got to be competitive first, and then you got to be able to move the puck. So we're better in the competitive end of it.
3: Next question, Jim Matheson, Post Media.
4: Uh, Dave, the shorthanded goal in like the third period there, was that just... One
0: of those cases where you're you're pressing to try to get the goal. And no, we just turned it. We turned it over. It was, we had clear possession. We had clear pos- clear possession, and we turned it over. Yeah, I mean that's that's the difference in the. I mean our power play would we get seven chances, but you look at the two games we come out of it. I think we had ten power plays, and we came out minus two on the power plays. That's uh, that's an area where it's. Uh, you know that should be one of our strengths, and it wasn't the last two games. Uh, so
4: one and three going on the road, I guess. It, I mean, obviously, you just got to get a consistent effort,
0: sixty-minute effort. You know, one game and two games—is that how you're looking at it? Yeah, you're taking it game by game. We, we're we're still trying to figure our team out. You know, we we got to get our competitive levels up. I think it'll be good for our team to go on the road. Myself, just we haven't played a road game since last March, so just. Hopefully, a change of atmosphere or a change of uh, out of an arena, and get on the road and uh, play some strong road hockey and find a way to win. Jason Greger, TSN
3: 1260.
4: Dave, you've talked a lot about not having preseason, and you do have a lot of new sports. Do you, do you have to remain patient, or are you looking to to blend up some lines and try to get some scoring? You know, five on five.
0: When you're not winning, you got to do what it takes to try to get the winning formula, so that's what we'll continue to look for.
4: Is there anything you're not seeing specific for maybe all your lines to produce the lack of five-on-five five scoring in three of the four games?
0: Yeah, I, I think we can shoot the puck more and, uh, and be looking for some harder goals. We're uh, overpassing it and then not getting enough sustained time in the offensive zone. Ken
3: Campbell, hockey news.
4: Um, I, you, meant, you mentioned the competitive level of your team, and, and, and a couple of times tonight. And I'm wondering why you know you
3: think that that level isn't where it should be or where it could be uh, coming out of the gate here.
0: Well, some nights, I mean, the the second game against Vancouver, we liked it. And actually stretches of games, we, we really liked it. But the competitive levels on defending, defending the front of our net, winning battles in our own zone, that's where we're having some issues with. We're were uh, For the most part, our team works hard, but there's a competitive level of winning battles, winning stick battles, loose puck battles, and defending the front of your net. And that's the areas we needed to improve on. And well, there was, a more, there was a more mindset to do that tonight. We had more people that were engaged in doing it. Now we've got to turn that into wins.
3: There are no more questions. That concludes, King. All right, Dave- that is
1: Dave Tippett live on 630. Chet, after his Edmonton Oilers are beaten 3-1 by the Montreal Canadiens as we continue our discussion about the power play, Rob. Eight shots on goal. On seven attempts, and they did have, twenty-five seconds of a five-on-three. The other five-on-three was only seven seconds, but twenty-five seconds is enough to well, especially
2: face off and fire away. The Oilers plus. won the face-off both times. They yep. had the five-on-three. Whenever we're on a five-on-three and there was under ten seconds or under fifteen seconds, the whole goal was win the face-off and attack the net right away like get the puck on net because you want to try and score before that penalty is up so you allow yourself to have a full five on four power play rate afterwards and the oilers didn't do it either time they never got a puck on net when they won the face off Uh, we talked about it at the end of the first we talked about it at the end of the second and to me and dave tippett just mentioned it there the oilers are not shooting near enough and and I'll, i'll reiterate what i said earlier barry was brought here for a certain reason He's he's a guy that can play a long time in the National Hockey League simply because he's a very, very good power play defenseman. One of his biggest attributes is his shot. He's a right-handed shot that should allow the Oilers uh, an extra weapon on their power play when they set up on the, the side that Connor usually sets up on. Uh, they haven't used that. And not using that is just doing a disservice to what he can bring. And the penalty killers, the Canadians today, for example, over the last two games, they just boxed the Oilers out, they put sticks in lanes, bodies in lanes, and they forced the Oilers to keep the puck to the outside. They weren't allowing the cross-ice pass. And when the pass did go through, it would either hit a stick or it would be offline because you had to readjust your passing lane because the Canadians did such a good job getting in the way. Whereas if they go back to start every power play, couple passes back to Barry let him pound the puck all of a sudden a defender you've got to move out now because you've got to make sure you take that shooting lane away and you got to get high up on him to try and create the block and once you do that now you've got the cross ice passes so uh, the biggest attribute that Barry has is a shot and we've yet to see it so far on the power play here and uh, on a power play that is struggling, so to me, it's very simple. Start shooting from the point. Start shooting from everywhere. Yeah. And if you do that, you're going to create secondary and third scoring chances on rebounds, on tips, on things like that, and confusion amongst the, the 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 defenders. But they have not done near enough. Eight shots on seven power plays. Not good enough at all.
1: Yeah, and I mean, of course, a couple were blocked and, and went wide, but mm-hmm. the attempts aren't there, and they're passing it a lot. And I I really noticed that tonight. The Montreal penalty killers were not coming out on Barry at all he's standing there at the top with very little pressure and he continues to distribute it and they're trying to set up dry settle for a one timer understandably so I think that will probably have to be adjusted a little bit because a lot of those passes got tipped away but there was a pow- there was a power play the the back half of the power play after Montreal scored the shorthanded goal to basically put the game away where Tippett I think just started rolling lines. He yep. didn't even put out a power play hmm. unit. And Nurse was on and he just slapped the puck at the net and as as you've said, you don't know where the rebound is gonna go. Now that rebound there were two Oilers and one Canadian. It fell right to the Montreal player. And he he whapped it down the ice, but you think, well, two cha- two times out of three, that's going to be a second chance for for the Oilers. So that's there. I think there are many things to discuss tonight, many areas to be to be frustrated about. But I, I think the power play is is concern number one because it's it, it's it comes in with high expectations, with a, which I think are totally justified. Yes. I was saying that the entire off season, it should be good. Barry should score more goals mm-hmm. than Klefbom, given their given their histories and now and then these two games not only does it not score it's minus two well I mean, it, it gives up two short-headed goals and well, i had no doubt that one was go- going in tonight and and you know dry flubbing passes
2: back to the point and and they're taking it the other way i wasn't sure if if he'd flubbed it or if the defenseman blocked. i mean it was a bad pass first of all Nugent hopkins shouldn't have put the pass there right i mean because if you look at it dry has got two guys on him there's nothing he could do. That was not the right play that was made uh, by Nugent Hopkins. But that's a power. Like, I'm watching this game, and the Canadians were in complete control of this game. And as the game went off, you're like, okay, hey, right, this one's done. I'm not sure there's any uh, bounce back here in the third period for the O's. But Suzuki takes a dumb penalty in the offensive zone for no reason. Sticks his foot out. Now I'm thinking, it's 2 nothing. There's, I can't. Was it five minutes to go in the game? Uh, well, he's sco- Leckin and scored with seven forty-five. Okay, left. So, so still about eight, and a half eight minutes left. to go, and I'm thinking they're gonna score a goal in a game they don't deserve to win. They're gonna get a power play. They're gonna score a goal. It's gonna be one goal lead, and all of a sudden Montreal's gonna g- start sitting back, get nervous, and the others are gonna get some momentum. And instead, uh, they give up the shorty, and I mean, it was like a two-on-one from ten feet inside the blue line. And to me, this is not the Oilers that we've seen in the past. To me, the, the Oilers in the past, all right, they keep it close. They keep it close to get that one power play they need. McDavid or Dreisels does something special. Now we go into extra time, and they're going to win it three-on-three. Uh, three. So uh, it just – they they look frustrated. They look discombobulated. They, the, the passes aren't there. They're, they're trying to create things that aren't available, and uh, – I, I've been on power plays that have struggled, and it starts to affect your five-on-five five play because the, the the power play is where you get that extra special. It's the icing on the cake. That's where you get your points, and you feel good about yourself. But when that struggles, and then you go to your five-on-five five line, it carries over. And I think you're seeing that in the, the Oilers star players right now. Their power play is not scoring like it should in their five-on-five five play. it's starting to show the frustration and they're not creating on that as well. And I know that that there's a lot of people saying, well, the Oilers depth, they got to do more. Well, in the Oilers four games, the Oilers stars have had one good game. Yep. That's true. And they've got, They've got five points each, Connor and Leon. Four of them came in one game. So the depth players have not created as much, but their star players haven't been as good as they needed to be either.
1: Yeah, that's true. We, were, we didn't see enough out of the, the top six either of these last two games, and I think that's something that's... That's going to have to change for sure. Oilers lose 3-1 to the Montreal Canadiens, so the Canadiens are now 2-0-1 on the season. They win the two in Edmonton. They had an overtime loss to the Maple Leafs. The Oilers go loss-win-loss-loss over the course of their four-game homestand, and uh, they will be in Toronto Wednesday and Friday. Then they have a couple games against the uh, the, the Winnipeg Jets. Miko Koskinen, you know, most important position on the ice, so he's going to be scrutinized. To me, another weird night from him he does wind up making 31 saves Uh, I I actually thought he looked more comfortable as the game went on again through much of the first half of the game stopping the puck but then and look it happens to every goal okay sometimes but it was happening to him almost every save he would stop it and then oh looking left oh no it's over here there was one in the second period he thought he caught and then it turns out it's lying on the ice or I think it dropped it went between his, his, legs, his yeah. legs so he wound up covering it and Brendan Gallagher had an open net to 20 seconds into the second period and Koskinen's looking as if the puck had deflected up high into the into the glass or in or over the glass and Gallagher actually had an open net and Shot it back and in, into Costco. He I mean, hit been that, that should have been, yeah. a, should have been a, like it was going wide. Yes. Koskinen's not there. It's going wide. He he missed the tapping. So I mean I don't know. It's he he was he just sometimes seems like he's swimming around so much and and unsure of himself. Now I did think, especially late in the second period, the Canadians started getting a lot of shots. He made some good saves. That stop on Suzuki might have been his best of the yes. year. But then but then there are so many moments where I'm sitting myself thinking how can he not know where the puck is after it goes off him?
2: Yeah, he. I, I don't think he's looked as comfortable as we have seen him in the past. Um, I mean, by no way is is this on Koskinen. I mean, he, he might have been one of the better players for the Edmonton Oilers tonight. First goal he should have had. Now, I don't know if it got deflected or not, but it didn't It didn't look good. It was good on Romanoff, throwing the puck on net, just like he's supposed to do. Got it through, and the goal goes in. But... Uh, Tonight, I I mean, if you want to look at positives, glass half full, the Oilers didn't give up as many grade-A scoring chances against as they had in the past, but the biggest moment of the game on your power play, you give up a two-on-one. So we've talked about the the, the Achilles heel of this team is when they make a mistake, it is a a five-alarmor. alarmer. is a big mistake. And on that mistake tonight in the third period on a two-nothing game, they give up a two-on-one shorthanded. That was the game right there.
1: Three-one. The Canadians take it. You can get us at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Dave Tippett talked about that level of competitiveness and that is necessary in the NHL and and to have it consistently. And that's one thing through four games that I've really started to see. And when you when you watch an NHL game, there are so many little battles mm-hmm. I, I mean you played if, if you can make you know three clean passes in a game you're you're thrilled <laughs> you're like oh i was all over this one unless your name is you know mario or Lemieux yes. or gretzky or whoever and there there are so many of those little battles and the pucks bouncing around and oh i got to be in this position now i got to shift and it just seems to me the oilers are not getting into those as quickly as they should, or once them in them, there just isn't that firmness to their game. I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a positive ex- example for the Oilers this season: the 5-2 goal against Vancouver. Yamamoto steals the puck at the blue line. Nugent Hopkins drives the net, and he's got two Canucks on him. One guy's trying to get his stick. One guy's, and you could see Nugent's body. He was he was like stone. He's like my stick is mm-hmm. is on the ice. There's a target f- for Yamamoto If you're gonna lift my stick you're going to have to probably commit a penalty. And Yamo hits his stick. So that's a good play the Oilers made. But I I feel like I see them now and they're engaging in a puck battle where they're going into the boards where you need to establish that body position. And it's it's 70 or 80% of what you need to do instead of 100. It's not shielding the guy off. It's not really getting over top of that puck with a heavy stick to keep the opponent away.
2: Well, the, the one thing that I said earlier tonight, uh, that and I think it's what you're alluding to, is I don't see the urgency or the desperation in the Oilers game that they need to have. Uh, it, it's funny, the the one player, and he was an unknown coming in, what we're going to see is, is, is Jesse Pujarvi. I see an urgency in his game. I think he understands that I mean, this is possibly his last chance here with the Oilers. If he doesn't have a good start to the season, I mean, maybe he's going to be forgotten. I know as a young player, when you're always worried that you're one bad shift or one bad game about being out of the lineup or out of the NHL. So he's playing with an urgency. Now, there's other parts of Jesse's game that need to be worked on. But you could see the urgency that he has. Like every time he's out there, it's like a desperation. Now, he might be playing too desperate at times with some of the plays that he's made, but it's there. I don't think you see that in every player every shift. And the teams that are coming in to play against the Oilers, the Oilers, uh, I mean, the Leafs are probably picked to win the division, but a lot of people think the Oilers have got a good team. They're a playoff team. And you come in to play against Edmonton, okay, they got Drysettle, they got McDavid, they got the two best players in the league. We've got to play desperate and hard and urgent every time we're on the ice with them because we don't want to be embarrassed and you see the teams playing that way against them the oilers have to respect the teams they're playing against and show just as much urgency just as much desperation because if you don't then players that with lesser names are going to have big games and they're going to come out at the end of the night and have the two points at the victory that that montreal just got here tonight and got here uh, the other night because those teams are playing with more desperation
1: yeah and I, I've told you this for years, and I say it on air all the time. I often watch what's happening at the blue lines. Mm-hmm. Can a team get it out? Can they get it out cleanly? And then when they're attacking, can, can, you, can you get it in? Can you shoot it in, and can you get after it, or can you create a play? And there have been, to me, a lot of plays at the blue line where even if the Oilers wind up clearing the puck, it's not clean. It's, oh, we could have had a pass. Oh, we messed up the pass. Now we got a battle. Okay, we chipped it out. But instead of having a three-on-three three or a three-on-two, the other team shooting it back in. Mm-hmm. Or battles inside the blue line that are flat-out lost, and we've seen a couple of goals result uh, in those already this season. So a lot to work on here, uh, here for the Oilers. They lose 3-1 to the Canadians tonight. R- Rob, let's th- run through the scoreboard here for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to EmmontonTrailer.com. The Flames are 2-0-1. The Canucks drop to 1-3, 5-2. Calgary takes it. Jacob Markstrom gets the win in net.
2: That's two wins in a row for Markstrom versus his old team, the Vancouver Canucks. The Calgary Flames needed a good goaltender. They went out and got one, and he's proven it in the first couple games.
1: The Ducks shut out Minnesota, 1-0. The Hurricanes beat the Predators 4-2. St. Louis goes to 2-1 on the season, a 5-4 win over the San Jose Sharks how about this Buffalo 6-1 over Philadelphia Curtis Lazar the former Edmonton Oil King he gets
2: two goals he has two goals and I believe Taylor Hall had three assists tonight Hall six points in three games he uh, is looking for a big year to get himself a big contract in Buffalo
1: Maple Leafs and Jets those are the Oilers next to opponents Toronto wins on home ice 3-1 only the second game of the year for the Jets they're 1-1 Toronto is 3-1 Islanders 1-0 over the Bruins so they have two shutout wins and a shutout loss after splitting with the Rangers the Blue Jackets beat the Red Wings 3-2 and early in the third period the Coyotes are up 2-1 on Vegas uh, it is Tyler Pitlick with a goal for Arizona. Schmaltz has the other one. And Pacioretty already his third of the season for the Golden Knights. And here inside, Rogers place a 3-1 victory for the Montreal Canadiens. I'm going to go to our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. If it hurts to see a chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com slash hockey. Well, Rob, forgive me. I am going to beat this drum again. Okay. Let's see if you figure out where I'm going here. And I, I know line combinations are important i also know they're not the be-all and end-all that if you're you know if you're playing relatively well and working hard you should be able to make a, a line work if you have kind of guys that you've got a bit of a vibe with uh you know usually me and all the other media guys tweet out the lines at practice and sometimes there's a guy missing and it's like oh my god they're shuffling the lines and then you do the media availability after and it's like uh yeah you know like he's uh was getting his skate, he's fixed, getting a skate or sharpened yeah, no. or you know he's a little sick today So, all that said, to me, to me, it is high time. It is past due to go back to Drysdale Center and Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto. I, I was never in favor of them going away from it. I understand the thinking behind it. But I also think now you're sitting here without that line together, having lost in four games to the Chicago Blackhawks. And now you're four games into this season And if this were a uh, four-game qualifying round series, it would now now be over. Like, that line was productive. It was deadly. It was consistent. And I still think if you're an opposing team, you still have to worry about checking the line with McDavid because McDavid is on it, and he can create something good or nothing. To me,
2: put back that line. It was working. It's funny. We go back to before they they broke up, uh, Connor and Leon, when they were playing together, and I always said if they're ever going to break them up, they've got to put Nugent Hopkins with dry settle because Leon needs someone to play with. Connor's a guy that can make things happen by himself. Most of the the goals he scores are individualistic efforts where he was a long pass and he beat someone or he beat someone on a race to a puck. He's capable of carrying a line by himself. You could put just about anyone with him. And he's still going to get just as many scoring chances a night. So, yes, I I do like that. The line has had success before. And even if they hadn't had success, even if they've never played with each other before, the way that the Oilers have been offensively five-on-five through four games, they've got to roll the dice right now anyways and try something. They need a spark. And they're about to play uh, a team in Toronto that can score. And it, it, I, I don't think that it's going to be a 2-1 game. I think it's going to be a 5-4 game. So you got to be able to throw two lines out that you feel are capable of scoring 5-on-5. Five five. So, yeah, I agree with you. I would put that line back together. And I guess we'll see in two nights if it happens.
1: All right. Let's get some more post-game reaction here. Here's the nudge. Hey,
4: Ryan.
2: Um, can you
4: just take us through what you felt the power play was missing tonight? lot of opportunity for you guys and just... Didn't
5: seem to be able to get it on track? Uh, yeah, I mean,
4: yeah.
5: I don't know. We were, we were moving around pretty well. We were getting some uh, good looks, but I think uh, when teams are pressuring you like that uh, and things aren't clicking, maybe we need to shoot shoot the puck more, get rebounds, and create chaos, and uh, a lot of the time when we're playing just road hockey, um, off loose pucks, that's when we're at our best, so... I thought maybe as the game went on and things weren't clicking um right away and, and weren't going in for us maybe we can shoot the puck a little more, bit more and start to do that i mean it just uh yeah as most games is frustrating power play had tons of tons of tons of looks and uh just couldn't uh, find one
4: i know uh, it's a couple of short goals against this year as well that kind of make it uh doubly difficult when the, when the power play isn't producing within
5: Ends up stinging you as well yeah I mean that yeah. that late one for sure. Uh, sure down two, get a power play chance and, <laughs> and give one up I mean it's obviously it's a, a bit deflating um, I thought uh, I mean we still had we still had a chance once we once we got that PK goal back but um, yeah I mean we just uh, we had tons of tons of opportunities on the power play and uh, we got to find a way to uh, put those in.
3: Any other questions for Ryan? Jim Matheson, Post Media. It
4: was, your coach wasn't too happy with your defensive work in the uh, two, in the first game and the third game. It looked like you cut down the, the glaring errors tonight, but this was one of those, those cases where they hung around, hung around, but they didn't play all that good in the first brain and scored a goal, and you did, was it one of those cases where your defensively were better but you just didn't have the overall offense even five on five
5: today yeah I mean I think overall our, our defensive game was a lot better tonight um obviously it was just a point shot off a face off for the first one uh, I think it was a power play um for that really late one in the in the second but um obviously it's just a weird play and then uh, the shorthand one so overall our five on five uh defensive play was better um Offensively, we gotta we gotta find a way to, to break these goalies, and um, he, he he played well. But I mean, we're gonna face that all year. Uh, every team has good goalies right now, and uh, we gotta find a uh, find a way to break them down, just pepper them, and uh, get biased in that. And, uh, and and just I mean, yeah, it just comes down to find a way to put one
3: in. Thank you. Any other hands, media. Thank you. That concludes Ryan Nugent Hopkins' media availability. Please stay tuned for Miko
1: All right, so that is Ryan Nugent Hopkins after the Oilers lose 3-1 to the Montreal Canadiens. You can get us at 780-496-0063. This is Heartland Ford, overtime open line. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is Montreal 3, Edmonton 1 is the final. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown inside rogers place as we break down a very disappointing start to the season for the oilers the power play 0 for 7 tonight 2 for 18 on the season montreal scores shorthanded in both games here at rogers place the only goals by edmonton in in this two-game series uh, really both when the games were already out of hand slater cuckoo scored the other night and shore scored tonight shorthanded. Ryan says, I thought we would have learned from the playoffs. Drysettle, Yamamoto, and Nuge should be playing together. This is clearly a coaching mistake. He needs to wake up. Yes, he pulled the Still looks lost out there. We can't afford this type of player on the ice. Uh, McDavid needs to speak up and start to run the show. Well, I think McDavid wants to play, <laughs> would want to play with and Hopkins. So I don't know if he would speak up to have uh, Nugent Hopkins move back to the, uh, to the other line so we'll uh we'll see how that plays out i don't i don't know about that but I, I would like to see that line yeah, I back too. together again and I, and I really think rob that line despite having skilled players one of its strengths was that it kept pucks alive oh the other team's gonna clear it no yeah stripped the guy oh no Nuge poke check oh leon checked the guy and I think that helps the other lines by extending defensive shifts for the other team's players, even if, even if they don't score. That's why, because I felt that line just lifted the whole team with the way it played.
2: Well, I mean, the biggest thing is they were successful and you never like breaking up something that's successful. Now, we were, you and I were surprised last year when they changed the, the line combinations because they had played so well together and enjoyed playing with each other. So I imagine at some point... They'll be put back together. I don't know if it'll be next game, the game after, but when things don't go right offensively, when things don't go right and you're losing hockey games, as the always have done three out of four, you've got to make some changes. So there will be different lines, I believe, next game. Hopefully, that'll be one of them.
1: Yeah, and I wonder what they do on, on defense. I mean, they, they, I, I would think Chris Russell will probably stay in. I thought Russell was good. I wonder. I don't know if Lagesson will stay in. I mean, he.
2: I, I imagine Lagesson will come out and Barrow go back in. That's my guess.
1: Probably makes the most sense. Yeah. Laguson wound up playing tonight, uh, 11 minutes, 15 seconds. And three, well, he had three of his own shots blocked, credited with one hit off the... I mean, Lagasin is right now the eighth or ninth. I mean, really, I'd even put him after Bouchard.
2: Uh, I mean, I honestly, I don't know, because I haven't seen Bouchard play. Well, just... He, I mean, Bouchard's he should a much be. a higher draft pick. He should be behind Bouchard, yes. Yeah. Um, obviously, we haven't seen Bouchard, so I don't know what's going on or why he hasn't been in the lineup. But uh, Lagasin tonight looked okay. He looked a little hesitant at times with the puck, but that's not his strength. His strength is being a big body. I, when you're playing against Toronto, I would think you want to have guys in that can move the puck and, and jump up in the play. And I think Bear has had a wake-up call, realizing it's not going to be as easy as it was. It, you're, you're not going to get a, a free pass and they want him to be better they're they're not sitting bear isn't uh telling him we don't think you're good enough sitting bear is telling you we think you're better than what you've shown and we want you to get back to where you were so i believe he will be back in the lineup on wednesday and uh legacy will probably be back out in a a support role used when he's needed all right this is a good
1: question from dan and Devin texting in uh dan i'm a uh, frequent player at the uh devon golf course some of the most hor- horrific moments in my life spent on that course <laughs> uh, it's a nice course though very nice course most uh, most golf courses give me horrific experiences uh dad says cassian completely kills the cycle and has zero emotion pulley has been engaged has a ses- sense of urgency great underlying numbers driving the play why is he not on with mcdavid why do you think Tippett refuses to put
2: him there well that that that's a, a really good question I well honestly I I don't think he thinks the game fast enough to play with Connor McDavid for one. Two, they want Jesse to become an NHL player and feel comfortable each night coming in and playing and being consistent. If you go up and play with Connor McDavid, you have to have success. You don't get to slowly find yourself back in the game. You don't get to slowly become an NHL hockey player. You have to have success because as we've seen when Connor's line doesn't score, the Oilers don't win now yes on Cassian Cassian has not uh been as good as he's needed to be thus far yep uh are there any other options on the team I I, I think Archibald is much better served as your third or fourth line player and he's the guy that's been put up every once in a while uh I, I don't know if there are other options but the the Jesse in the past hasn't played with McDavid and Drysdale because his his thought process isn't at the same level as theirs having said that his work ethic has been good and the options to who to play with conor mcdavid are slim so there's always a possibility
1: i i also think
2: that if he plays
1: on the third line and doesn't score it's not going to have the scrutiny Oh, absolutely. than it would if he plays on the first line mm-hmm. and doesn't
2: score. That's, that's exactly what I'm saying. When he, the, it's, if he goes up there and doesn't have success, then it's considered a failure. And he needs to have success if he's playing on that line. So we, he played on the first power play tonight and fanned on the shot twice and, and went offside when he went out finally with the big boys. Alright,
1: uh, we may be having some issues with the phone lines. Uh, 780-496-0063 but you can uh, text us or uh, send me a letter and we'll get it in a few days and read it after one of the other games. More coming up. You're going to hear from Kyle Turris. Oilers lose 3-1. Heartland Ford overtime open line. Final score, Rogers place. Canadians 3, Oilers 1. Romanoff in the first period. Weber in the second period. Lekanen and Shore both shorthanded in the third period and that's it the Oilers are one and three the Canadians go to two oh and one on the season they're going to move on to play Vancouver three times Jamie texting in tonight who says uh the Oilers big men have to play smarter more effective they have to be aggressive and agitate the opponent yeah that doesn't hurt and a couple of people uh, texting in that the Oilers are missing James Neal, perhaps especially on the power play.
2: I agree with that. I, I do. But having said that, on the power play, On has been there a little bit. Pooly has been there. Yamamoto has been there. Uh, those are not the guys that are, are making the plays on the power play. James Neal's not a guy that's going to be making a play on the power play. You're standing in front of the net. The problems for the Oilers have come away from the net. They're just not getting pucks on net. So, but... James Neal makes your power play better. He's a guy that's good in front of the net. He's got good hands. He can tip pucks. But that is not, to me, the issue right now with the other's power play. The f- simple problem is they're not shooting the puck. And they've got to start doing that. Well, yes, very true. I mean, you could—that's <laughs> fair. You could have anybody. You could put Ryan Smith back in front of the net, but if no one shoots at him, he's not going to be able to tip it and get rebounds. And the Oilers aren't shooting. They had eight shots on seven power plays, and the other night wasn't it five shots on four power plays? Like when you're averaging one shot a power play, that's not near enough. Yeah. And so the Oilers have got to do a much better job getting pucks on net. Uh,
1: yeah. We'll 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 see if they uh, if they have more of that mentality, and I'm and I'm sure also now there will be coaching adjustments with the power play because clearly opposition opposition teams have made well more so than the Canadians, I guess, than what we saw from the Canucks. But clearly, there's going to be. All, but here's the thing: if you're game planning the Oilers, until they show you something otherwise, you're worried about three things: McDavid five on five, Settle five on five on the power play. Yep.
2: Well, and the thing is also, and this is, when a team has success against you in anything, whether it's uh, shutting down your best player, scoring on their power play, penalty killing, whatever it is, if some team has success, other teams start to try to emulate. So tonight, or in the last two games, the Oilers have gone 0 for 10 against the Montreal Canadiens. Well, the Toronto Maple Leafs right now are watching game film. They've got a video coach It's breaking down game film, and what they do is they break down every power play the Oilers have, every penalty kill the Oilers have, every shift to Connor McDavid, and then they study that. So when they look at these last two games, they say, okay, what was successful that the Canadians did that has stopped this Oilers team from scoring goals in the power play? And they're going to watch it, and the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to say, okay, here's what we're doing today. Here's how we're going to stop the Oilers' power play. So once someone has success against you, you're going to have to try to adapt to try to change things up. So, to me, it's simple. And Dave Tippett talked. It's not like we're coming up here with ideas that they don't have down in the coaches' room right now. They know they're not shooting near enough on their power play. They're not using Barry near enough on their power play. Look for the game in Toronto to see Barry starting to fire from the point. Well, I hope so. <laughs> so do I. So do I, because it. it, it, it Again, there's, these are, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins said it, uh, I think it was after last game or the game before, every game is a four-point game right now because you're only playing teams in your own division. So it used to be if the Montreal Canadiens came in and beat you, well, you, you lost two points, okay? It sucks, but it's a team from the East Co- Eastern Conference. Well, now this is a team that you're going to be chasing, and in this last 48 hours, the Montreal Canadiens have just bumped four points up on you in the standings. And that's huge. So the Oilers have got to get this straightened out quickly because you, you cannot make the playoffs in the first 10 to 15 games of a season. But you can certainly put yourself in a position where you are going to make, be hard-pressed to make the playoffs if you get off to a slow start. And the Oilers have got off to a slow start now. They've got to somehow find a, their game going into this road trip.
1: Robert writing in 7804960063 says, "Do the Oilers consider putting Skinner in the net next game, or at least one game on the road trip, to maybe light a fire under the team?" I'm not putting either loss on Koskinen, but at the same time, the team is really underperforming from the level they should be at. Robert, I think it's unlikely that Stuart Skinner will get a start, and by the time they have a back-to-back at the end of the month, uh, Troy Grosnick uh, should have gone through quarantine and be ready to go. And now, you know, Grosnick is. Uh, He's been a very good minor league goaltender, which means he's probably between the 60th and 70th best goalie in in uh, in pro hockey. But
2: I, I think it's unlikely that they would start Skinner. That's uh, the read I get on that. I, I would say no. I do not believe. And I don't think it gives their team a, sp- a spark. I think the unknown of Skinner probably scares your team, in in all honesty, because no one knows much about him, what, what he could do at this level. So, yeah, I don't believe. I don't think Skinner's going to get a start unless... Uh, Koskinen has a, a, a really, really poor outing. I think this is Koskinen's show until help comes from somewhere else.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would think so. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough position to put Skinner in. I mean, he's really been the guy in the AHL for one year.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, no, I I, I do not see I mean, again, you've ta- said it before. If there was that much faith in Skinner as a goalie at this level,
1: so Skinner, would have
2: be, Skinner would yeah. have been a goalie at this level.
1: Yeah, they wouldn't have re signed Smith. They yeah. would have said, okay, we got a guy internally that's, that's ready to, to move up and play. So, yeah, we'll keep that in mind for sure. Okay, we have Kyle Turris post game as the Oilers lose 3 1 to the Canadiens.
4: Kyle, obviously a, a, a better defensive game tonight after the five last time, but the special teams, to, was that what uh, really tonight?
6: Sorry, I lost you uh, there.
4: Sorry, Matty, go ahead. Repeat that, please. Um, yeah, uh, last game, uh, you gave up five goals, and your coach wasn't very happy with your defensive work. Today, you uh, um, had a better defensive effort, but the special teams, that hurt you, badly.
6: Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a combination of things. It's not just special teams. I mean, obviously, we had lots of opportunities on special teams, and I thought we worked it around well at times. We just couldn't bury one, uh, especially early. Uh and then, uh, yeah, I mean, it, there's there's a, a few things that we we got to uh, work on going into the next game.
4: Uh, the second period, uh, did, you got out of the first period down one. Uh, in the second period, though, you only got one shot for about the first 15 minutes, so you didn't put too much pressure on him. So you are talking about the 5-on-5 pressure in the second period, wasn't there?
6: Yeah, no, I thought we actually came out and played a a decent first period. We had energy. We were getting pucks deep, getting after them. um, I thought we came out and played real well. And then we, uh, yeah, uh, second period, we just kind of stepped back and let them take it to us, um,
3: which, I mean, obviously we can't let happen. Next question Gemma Carson Smith, Canadian Press.
4: Hi, Kyle. You said that there's a few things you guys want to work on for next game. How do you do that when there's so little practice time uh, in the schedule this year?
6: Uh, I mean, we just talk about it. You know, it's it's not things that you necessarily have to be on the ice to, to improve on, you know. I mean, um, getting out of our zone quickly and uh, allowing us to get through the neutral zone. Um, a bit, a bit more smooth, and allowing us the time to be able to put pucks behind them and get on them deep, instead of being under pressure uh, in the neutral zone and, and turning things over. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's not uh, it's not stuff that you, you necessarily have to work on in practice. Just more kind of communication and, and being on the same page, to, just to get pucks deep and get after it.
4: Jim Matheson, go ahead. Uh, Kyle, the goal right at the end of the second period was a killer, too. I mean, it looked like you dodged the bullet when they waved it off because they went to the coach's challenge, and uh, instead of only being down one, you're down two. That was a pretty really pivotal point as well.
6: Yeah, I mean, it, stuff happens, right? You just got to rebound. And uh, I mean, obviously, we hadn't played a great period up to that point, and uh, Um, We can't let that happen. So the fact that they scored at the end of it, I mean, maybe it was a bit deflating, but at the same time, we got to be able to rebound at the break and and come out more like we did in the first period.
1: All right, that's Kyle Turris of the Edmonton Oilers, who lose 3-1 to the Montreal Canadiens. I thought that that was... Definitely a good goal for Montreal. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only seen one person writing in on the uh, text line complaining that it counted. T- to me, it obviously counted. And here's the thing. First of all, n- in no way do I think Petrie was guilty of goalie interference. Even if he was, there's a point where you have to say, okay, you got bumped, but you got time to get back up and get mm-hmm. in the play. And I don't, I'm not just directing that at Koskinen. I'm more directing that at Devin Shore. Who and look, I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to overly crap on him for for one play, but if you're knocked down in your own crease and in your own goalie's way, maybe get up. <laughs> Don't lie there for four seconds because that's how long he was there. No, so it, there's there's no way that that goal should have been disallowed. it was no, the it was right a, call.
2: It was weird. It was a delayed call by the the ref too. It's like he, it, it was the play had gone on, then he finally. Finally waves it off after the goal goes in. I'm like, hey, that was really, really a delay on that one. Uh, I didn't like the one the other day, too, where uh, I think Leon ran the goalie. I thought that was a... And they disallowed the goal. I'm like, well, Leon hit the goalie. That was actually a penalty, what he did on that one. But tonight, it was it was the right call by the referees, I think. And you, you always can tell what uh, if it's a right call or not. Just look at the other team's bench. They, The Oilers, during that... Referee scrum had already resigned themselves to the fact that that was going to be counted a goal Like as soon as they announced that you did not see any barking you did not see anyone shaking their heads They knew that it should have counted they everyone watches the replays They got the all the TVs on the bench. They see all the replays on the jumbotron. It was a good goal It was the right call by the referees That was one of the reasons instant replay is put into play so that you can make sure that you make the right call and the referees did
1: Kurt writes in, he says, worth noting Montreal scores half its goals over the two games from the defense. They are big, nasty, and they score. Are they best in the division?
2: I think so. I I think depth-wise, and we talked about it tonight, that the Montreal, most teams that play against the Edmonton Oilers, uh, when Connor's out there you see them scrambling to get a certain defenseman out against them when Leon's teams or lines out there you see the team scrambling to get a certain defensive pairing out against them Canadians didn't do that they they rolled all three uh, sets of defensemen out there uh, they they can move the puck they got some guys with some size they got some guys with a little bit of nastiness uh, I would not know which team would challenge them for having the best group of defensemen in in this division i think they're hands down the best defensemen and i i mean i like what what do you, how do you say is Rom- romanov is that how you say his last name the he's good and he plays with edge he like he he's trying to antagonize out there and and that's what you want you want someone that's going nose to nose with the other team's best players and trying to get them off their game so yes the montreal canadians to me they've got very good goaltending they got two good goalies. We saw both of them play here. They've got what we think you and I the best defensive group in the North Division. And up front they're they're deep. They got four lines. It doesn't matter. You can't tell the difference between their first line and their fourth they, line. They
1: look better than yeah. I
2: thought they would. I, I Now agree. again, even with them I still
1: say it's it's only 3 games. Oh no,
2: I I agree, but uh, but I I can they are a team that uh, Mark Bergevan an old teammate of mine uh, he's built this team and uh, I, after seeing them for two games, yeah, I, I can see them. They are, to me, a, a playoff caliber hockey club. Greg has a question for you on the text line. Oh, absolutely.
1: He says, Hey, Rob, how often does a coach consider a player's feelings over the overall benefit to the team? It's clear Leon Nuge and Yammo should be together, but it comes at the expense of McDavid. How delicate does a coach need to handle lines to keep people happy?
2: <sighs> well, I'm not going to talk about this situation. Um, I would say in certain, uh, yeah, I it is in consideration. When I was in Pittsburgh, I had I played with Yarmer Yager, and you wanted to keep Yarmer happy at all times. <laughs> uh, Yarmer was a guy that, uh, when things weren't going his way. He, you, he wore his heart on his sleeve, you would see he was emotional. Uh, if he was unhappy, like, there, if in a power play, if he wasn't happy with the power play, he would just go skate off the ice and go sit in the corner, take his gloves off and leave his stick there. And I liked it because I took him off the power play, so I got more power play time. But he was a guy that if he was not happy, he let you know he wasn't happy. So in that situation, they did their best to make Yerimir as comfortable and as happy as possible. I played another coach with other coaches that really didn't care i mean i played with keenan he'd do the opposite he'd try to piss off guys on purpose i remember him screaming at michelle goulet and after game michelle didn't even play in the game and he started yelling at him told him he was awful so different coaches have different approaches uh most teams most coaching staffs most general managers try to make sure their stars are as comfortable and as happy as possible and will do most things to To make sure that happens. It's, it's interesting because I'm, I'm about two-thirds of the way through the the book
1: that came out just before Christmas. Jeff Perlman wrote it. He's been on my show a few times, uh, Three Ring Circus, about the Lakers of the late 90s and early, early 2000s. And so, you know, they were they were good for a couple of years, didn't go get, get over the hump, and then they hired Phil Jackson, who coached the Bulls to those championships. And Kobe and Shaq hated each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, absolutely hated each other. And... You know, some of the players said, "You know, Phil. He kind of tried to smooth it over, but he also kind of felt maybe the conflict helped us play a little better, <laughs> which is,
2: <laughs> which I
1: thought was that's kind of funny too.
2: Well, actually, I, I would never judge how he coaches because he's pretty successful. Yeah. So whatever he he decided was probably the right way of going. Um, on on this team right here, obviously, when you got a player as great." As Connor, when you're deciding on lines, you're going to have a conversation with him, what he feels comfortable, who he likes, what, he, what he's looking for, what he wants. But Dave Tippett has been around a lot. and He's played with a lot of great players. He's seen a lot of uh, things in his days as a, both a coach and as a player. I think that Dave Tippett will always make the decision that he thinks is best for his team on any given night. Feelings or no feelings, he's going to make a decision which he thinks helps his team win. All right, the Oilers lose 3-1 to the
1: Canadians. We'll take a quick timeout. Hartlett Ford, overtime open line. Up to
2: center. Duran in his pocket picked. Here's Shore. A breakaway. The shot. Scores! Devon Shore
1: with a shorthanded goal. Well, that's the only goal for the Oilers tonight. Devon Shore gets his first as an Oiler late in the third period montreal wins 3-1 they had a shorthanded goal second straight game for them and the oilers lose 3-1 whenever edmonton scores five or more in a game we turn on the japanese village goal light on 630 ched.com that's presented by japanese village restaurants now offering takeout visit jv edmonton ca for details uh appreciate your text tonight unfortunately we uh, got a gremlin in the phone line it's an actual gremlin it's that little gizmo guy well kellen, i told kellen not to feed him
2: he put uh, water on him didn't yeah, he? yeah
1: kellen did everything you're not yeah, supposed put to put water do. on now he's e-
2: eating the phones they explode all over the he's they're, actually cute, <laughs> they're cute little things till they get the devil in them
1: <laughs> but yeah, we will uh well next time we'll finish the play That is for Hungry Herd, top quality meats delivered right to your door at everyday low prices. Alberta owned and operated. And if you are correct on our finish the play quiz, you get your name into the grand prize draw for a $1,000 gift certificate to Visions Electronics, courtesy PF Custom Countertops, brought to you by PF Custom Countertops. Support local with a PF renovation, pfcustomcountertops.com. I got brought to you by twice in that script. I'll cross that out. Just do it once next time.
2: Well, you really want it brought to you.
1: <laughs> you get the countertops with the Hungry Herd delivery.
2: That's the question. Well, well, well that be Actually, well, I need I, I need new countertops, and I'd like, actually, like, the Hungry Herd. Actually, I could use all of that. What do I have to do? If I finish a play, do I win all that?
1: Well, you can't, you can't win. You well, always know the answers anyway. What
2: if I change my voice?
1: Well, you're sitting right next to me. I would know it was you. <laughs> uh, good point. <laughs> all right. So the 3-1 Montreal, Oilers' power play 0 for 7. The Canadiens' power play was 1 for 5. That goal we were talking about with the goalie interference was with one second on uh, a penalty to Connor McDavid. Uh, somebody writing in saying, hey, Rob, why don't they put Tyson Berry on the off-wing, sorry, on the left boards on the power play like Ovechkin? That's from
2: Jamie. Um, then you'd have to put a forward up top. And the Oilers don't do that. I mean, I think they're very comfortable with all of the where all the players are situated on the power play right now. This is, I mean, if you just if you took Barry away and put Clefbaum there, this is the power play that was the fourth best power play in the history of the National Hockey League. So you're not going to sw- move Barry around. You're not going to put him where Nuge stands. You're not going to put him where McDavid or Drysiller when they're at, that off wing because those guys are very comfortable and are very good at where they're at they just need to get the puck to Barry to shoot the puck because if he shoots the puck from up top it opens up all of the plays that they want to and as much as Clefbaum was a guy and i know that bob earlier talked he was like a point guard he distributed it think about all the times last year where uh, ryan nugent hopkins would do that little behind the back pass for the one-timer for oscar Clefbaum. he did fire the puck from the back end and it wasn't I mean, A, A, he's trying to score, but what he's trying to do is create other chances, create other offense, pull the, if they're not respecting him, if they're down too deep, he's going to fire the puck from back there. And I think that's what they have to do right now because the Montreal Canadiens showed how you stop the down-low play. It's it's a four-on-four. The Montreal Canadiens made it a four-on-four because they just left Barry alone. They said, all right, you're up there. And the Oilers didn't take advantage of that. So they played it as a 4-4. Four and, four, and that's when you can have su- su- success killing the penalty.
1: And, and I get the suggestions that I'm seeing from, from fans frustrated with the power play to take Chase on off. He's not a finisher. Fair enough. He's not a, as the f- a finisher on the level as Neil has been in his career. I understand that. But here's the thing: and you touched on it earlier, for, for Chase on to be effective, there has to be pucks mm-hmm. coming from the outside. Chase on's. Goals, most of them, the puck is already in the blue paint. Yep, and then and then he taps it in or tips it in, and it, the it, probably in the now into the eighth season, you and I have been doing games together. He is the best Oilers forward at screening the other team's goaltender that and, we've I, seen. I, and I don't even
2: know who would be second. Maybe you're, maybe Maroon. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He is very good. The 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 struggles that the Oilers are having on the PP have nothing to do with who's standing in front of their net right now. Nothing. Because that guy, the only time he touches the puck, as you said, is if it's a rebound or a tip. And if you're not shooting, if you've got eight shots and seven power plays, that guy who's standing in the front of the net is taking a beating for no reason. Because the puck's not coming there and allowing him to do what he does best. So uh, you can throw anyone you want on the ice to stand in front of the net. The power play success and failure will always be through Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, and Drysaddle. They are the reason that the Oilers had the number one power play in the National Hockey League last year. Because the play, 99% of the time, the play goes through those three. The fact that the Oilers' power play has struggled as of right now is because those three haven't been as good as they were last year. They will be again. Connors, it's not like um, Space Jam where the monsters or aliens came and stole all the talent from all the nba players they didn't lose their talent their talent's still there it will come back they just need to refocus refine and again this goes to show you what a lack of exhibition games is where these guys tune their game up for the regular season they didn't have those so right now this is their exhibition season but they somehow got to find their real game for Toronto on Wednesday.
1: And we'll have that one for you on 630 Chad with the face-off show at 3.30 in the afternoon. The game will start at 5. You can get more on this one on 630 global globalnews.ca. The final in Rogers Place, Montreal Canadiens 3, Edmonton Oilers 1. The Oilers stumble out of the gate at 1 and 3. Don't forget, Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I will have inside sports from 6 to 8. Thanks to Troy Bowler and Sean Alford, our engineers here at Rogers Place. Big thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio Operator back at the 630 Chad Broadcasting Compound. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Have a pleasant evening.
0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.